Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to take two of our Cats film review. I made Autumn do it once, and the audio didn't come out well, so we have had to go back and revisit this film, if you can call it that, again. I'm forced <laughs> to relive this journey again. We uh, haven't there yet, everybody. We still have to endure a little bit longer. <laughs> oh, you should see my hair right now. It's quite the state. We'll put a snapshot of this Zoom conversation. Well, and we my expressions mm -hmm. throughout. Yes. Maybe we can find a way to edit my <laughs> reactions. Uh, anxiety and death, slow death during this movie musical. <laughs> So, Autumn, you and I saw this film all the way back at Christmas. It was our Christmas adventure together. You uh, were so kind to buy us the tickets. It was so, it soldered into my, my, the fabric of my brain matter. Yeah. With a hot, burning iron. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. You were so gun ho for it. You bought us the great seats right in the middle, premium seating. We get right. there us and 10 other people. And I don't even think there were 10, Max. I think you're being optimistic. I think there was you, Sarah, and I, and maybe four other people. So, okay, so maybe there was 10 in total, with us included in that number. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't even know how to talk about this anymore. I'm just, I am a dog, I am aghast. You and I are going to go back through this movie bit by bit, song by song, and we'll give a reaction to what to why wasn't this the movie we wanted it to be because this could have been a good it movie could have been. it absolutely could have been the first thing they needed to do was get away from cgi and do what spielberg had originally wanted to do in the 90s which was do an animated movie uh about about about, about this musical set during well he didn't want to do it in in the 1930s, he wanted to do it after the Blitz in London. So when the, everything's all kind of run down and broken, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that works. That totally works. Even like a Pixar film would have been like the Claymation or, you know? Claymation, that would have been really good. I think Claymation would have been fun. Yeah. I was, would have been hell to animate though, considering how much work goes into making one move for, the, for that, for that, for them. Well, yeah, you and I both own the uh, animated version of this book, which is extraordinary by, uh, you know, illustrated by Edward Gorey. Uh, Mac is currently holding up his version. Mine is on my bedside table because I decided to read the original poems last night again. Uh, why? Why? I do, I'm not 1,000% sure. I'm, the poems I'm, are good. The poems well, are some, there are some great imperialistic views in some of the poems. Absolutely. <laughs> and ooh, they're problematic. Some of them are very problematic. Well, but we don't see that in this very, dare I say, fluffy film. Um, Is it even I, fluffy? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I'm becoming apathetic. The more I talk about this thing, I'm like, does anyone really care about this movie? And unfortunately, the answer is yes. It's starting to become a cult classic. Which is a problem. <laughs> it is. I, you know, I, I started to look at other um, 
cult films this morning, cult movie musicals. So you've got like Rocky Horror, you have Little Shop, you have, um, what else do you have? You have uh, Tommy, who's Tommy? Yeah. Um, you know, you've got um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yes. And, you know, now you have things like Carrie, Sideshow, uh, mm -hmm. Bat Boy, Urinetown. Bat Boy. Bat Boy, yeah. It's all based on National Enquirer. Yeah, it's great musical. It's really great. It's got a little cult clock following. But they started as like they all started with the like as B movie quality. Mm -hmm. Where there's I would even I would dare to even put hairspray in the cult um, uh, musical category. There's an element of camp. Yes. And they were written that way. They were written like it's satire they're all satire they're mm -hmm. all commentary on uh the world and the world around us and um the performance of kitsch is added on top of it yes cats was not written that way no and it it should not just because it's a bad film it is a bad film therefore it cannot be a cult film it and won the rap elevating it I, I'm really disappointed with people who are elevating it to, uh, are we that desperate? Are we that desperate that we need to elevate the awful to create a new cult culture with musicals? <laughs> and I, I, it really upsets me because I'm like, we deserve better as mm -hmm. artists. Mm -hmm. um, true musical theater artists. Yes. Uh, should be infuriated. Uh, I uh, I have lost a lot of respect for Andrew Lloyd Webber. As you should. And, after this. Um, Tom Hooper should not only never direct another music, movie musical, but he should never direct anything ever again. I think the, the King's Speech was a one-off and it's because he had Colin Firth nailing it. And I think it was luck. I think he he is selfish. I think he's narcissistic, and I think it's about him and his what he perceives his magic is in the world. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I mean, I don't I don't think this should be a cult film. Uh, I, I'm willing to give Tom Hooper a little bit more leeway on the directing side because he has done other good movies like Longford, uh, The Danish Girl, uh, Testament of Youth. Uh, Red Dust, The da uh, uh, um, the Damn United. So there are a few other ones that he's done. I think he needs the to go Damn back. The Damn United was boring. It was boring. I liked it. It was fine, but it was boring. I, my thing is, I think he needs to get back to doing his dramas, because I think that's where he does better. I than... think he needs to take a break. Mm -hmm. I think he just needs a break. I think he will be taking a break, because I think he will be heading for the hills for a bit just to recover um if i was if i was a film exec i would not want him anywhere near my studio yeah so why don't we get into this thing so the film opens with the iconic overture
and from the universal logo we fade into the moon and then into the clouds with the cat eyes and then we pan down to the west end of 1930s london and the very first thing <laughs> where i saw you react it horribly was when the per the lady gets out of her car with the sack of uh, with, with the cat in it and she hoofs it into the alley right off the top dead <laughs> like and that's not how you get rid of cats like no, you really and leave them no i hate to tell you this <laughs> and i'm gonna bring this up this is this is just a known fact of what people in that part of the world used to do, like with cats, they used to put them in a sack and they used to throw them in the river. That's depressing. It is depressing, but that's where the cat would have gone. It would have gone into the Thames. They do it in Ireland too. There's so many different movies where cats and animals get thrown into a river because people can't deal with them. So... Well Cats are beautiful creatures, so I don't know why. Look at neither do dog. neither do I. But you don't just throw a cat over a wall in a sack. <laughs> and why was the cat not injured? I know cats land Maybe. on their feet, yeah, but it's in a sack, <laughs> so it doesn't know where it's going. It's just flying through the air in a sack. Yeah. The sack, like. I can't, I can't even, I can't. Yeah. So right there, that I was our it. first reactions to the movie. And then we landed in an alley that apparently when I, cause I listened, I bought the film and I listened to the director's commentary to hear what Tom Hooper had to say about his masterpiece. And his first thing he wanted, to, he wanted to point out in the commentary was that the alley where the film starts was meant to be an homage to the original set of the, uh, uh, of the show with the with the oven that that cats came out of and the and the old broken down car and the piles of trash. There was no flying wheel. No, there was no flying wheel. Um, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, that set was apparently meant to be the homage to the original John Caird set. Um, but then we meet Monka Strap. He opens the bag and starts the song Jellicle songs for Jellicle cats. Because Jellicles can and Jellicles do. Jellicles do and Jellicles can. Jellicles can and Jellicles do. Jellicles do and Jellicles can. Jellicles can and Jellicles do. And this is where I was really trepidatious right off the top because I bought the album in advance to hear what I was going to be walking into. A minute. Yeah, I was. I was. And right in the middle of this song uh there's dubstep and i remember walking to work listening to it and the first time I, I was like okay this isn't a bad beginning to the song um and then the dubstep kicks in and i'm like what am i listening to what have they Please, done when you're editing this put the dubstep in so everyone can I showed it to my sister. I went, I went, there's dubstep in this. She's like, Mac, you don't know what dubstep is. You're, you're a musical person. You don't know what dubstep is. I'm like, no, listen. And I played her. She was like, oh yeah, that's like club beat dubstep. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, 
Um, it's the weirdest thing in the world. I mean, I can tell you why. I can tell you why. Why do they put dubstep in? They put dubstep in. They put less twins in. They put all like this milk bar. Like they did all of these tricks because they wanted to make it relevant for a contemporary younger audience. Shouldn't have done that. You know what? Leave it alone. Stick with Leave what works best. It alone. It is one of the longest running musicals of all time for a reason. Won't be anymore. <laughs> People still buy Book of Poems yep. for a reason. Yeah. I will definitely show my kids the old like musical version, but yep. I will never let them watch this again, ever. Show them the 90s version. That was done with Elaine Page. It is not. It's a reinventing of something that didn't need to be reinvented. Yep. It didn't add yep. anything new. It didn't, you know, it didn't. If you want to do that, Tom Hooper and Baron Lloyd Webber, I think you should be demoted back to Andy, period. <laughs> That's my sentiment on that one. Yeah. Just saying. People yeah. like to reconceptualize things. Yes. And if you want to do that, Tom Hooper and Andy, mm -hmm. please rewrite it in its entirety. Yeah. Like make a rap musical out of it. It's oh, written in oh. it's written in verse. Go for it. Yeah. Like, you know, recruit Eminem or you know P Diddy, whoever. I don't do rap. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, you know, Lizzie, Liz, yeah. Liz, Lizzo. Sorry. Yeah, whoever you want. You know what I mean? Nicki Minaj. Like recruit them. Recruit them, <laughs> and actually do it right. Yeah. But don't take your old musical from the 80s, 70s, 80s, and put a, this sense of it doesn't, it just doesn't work. No, no. And the fact that yeah. I don't know why Tom Hooper agreed to make so many changes, considering in the commentary, the first thing he points out is that he saw the film when he was, or the, he saw the musical when he was eight, and, he, and it's one of his favorite musicals, which is why... After Les Mis, he, he made a list of movies he would like to do in Cats. He, he, he put that on his list of ideas. And he, he should have known that, like, that, that's not the way to do it. Like, I, I, if you love the musical so much, you don't go messing with, with so much of it to make it work, to make it modern. You don't have to. But this I can tell you what he was thinking. This is modern. He was thinking... I am Tom Hooper, and I need to put my version of this uh, into some legacy-lasting form, which is mm. still, right? Um, it's not about you. Well, it's never going to be a legacy form, not the good one. It's going to be. But it's not about you. It's it's not, it. You have to be very careful when you're reinventing things. There yes. has to be a solid reason. And if, like, Cats is not one of those things that needs to be reinvented. No. It was odd in the beginning. It was odder when it became a musical. You don't need to go further than that. There, yep. are, there are things that you can mm, work with, you know? Yep. Like reinventing Little Shop of Horrors into something more contemporary yep. might be interesting. You could. Have video you could. elements. Mm -hmm. Fine. 
that Jesus Christ superstar that worked like in, in part, do you know what I mean? Like there, but you have to do dramaturgical due diligence. Wow. D D D I'm dubbing that D D D it's mine. Copyrighted. I'm sure Jill. Surgical due diligence. Jillian Robinson would be so proud of me. But it has to make sense, and this—it just didn't make sense. You're setting it in, you know, post. When did he set it? Like 1939, London. So he said at the same time the book was. So 1939, London. Do not have dubs. No. That's one, but it, you're, you're, there's no con, it, there's no context for the war. That was the year the war started. Like there's, there's no urgency bubbling under that. You would think as, as a, as a history filmmaker, because he's done a lot of history stuff. Uh, I, I, he did Elizabeth the first with Helen Mirren. He did that. He, he's done King's Speech. He's done a whole bunch of like history based films. You know, vanity project, something from his childhood, and he just wanted to recreate it. Well, sorry, buddy. You missed the bark on that one. The, the, yeah. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Okay, so after the dubstep opening, uh, you have the naming of cats that's the invitation to the jellical ball jellical cats come out tonight jellical cats come one come all the jellical moon is shining bright jellicals come to the jellical ball which uh they set in a graveyard for some reason in the west end of london when there is no graveyard uh i mean the moon well there you know what? Uh, there, there are smaller graveyards but they don't they don't look like that like I don't know it I was it was I felt like everything were foam was foam set pieces in that all CGI it was I don't know there are a few graveyards in the middle of London like at St. Paul's and Covent Garden but they're not there in the West End they're they're over in the old they're they're in the theater district yeah but Covent Garden is the, the not it's not directly in the theater district, but it's it's close. It's where, you know, the Royal Opera is, Drury Lane. Uh, maybe there, maybe there. But it's not in like the West West, like it's not Shaftesbury Avenue West End. Yeah. Which is where, yeah. Yeah, I mean like, I mean like the naming of cats, at least they were just reading the poem, which was okay. The dance with um, Victoria and Monkestrap uh, in the moonlight, that was right out of the musical. So I mean like, that I was okay with. Uh, I mean, Francesca Hayward, she's part of the Royal Ballet of Britain, and she's fantastic as a dancer, not a singer. Beautiful um, dancer. Beautiful. I, mean, I, I mean, I'll give her, out of all the cats on the film, she had the best our body articulation. Um, like, like, she understood her body best. But um, was she the lead? This cat has no... Apparently, well, the reason why they made her the lead was because they felt they needed to have a conduit outsider to come into this group to explore this world, and they decided to make a, uh, elevate a cat from obscurity uh, from the original show and put them in a larger context. So they used uh, the white cat of Victoria uh, to make that the character. Just leave it alone. It is about a bunch of cats presenting their case 
<laughs> to go to the heavy side layer. That is all that needs to happen. Then there were those really bitchy cats. And Demeter and, oh, who was it? Hold on. It was Demeter. And <laughs> it is. And we'll I talk about appropriation in a minute. It's Demeter but, and Sandra. But yeah, I, yeah, cats were not likable. Like, uh, oh, let's add in a cat fight between female cats. That's cool. a good idea. Yeah, we'll get to that moment. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, also we uh, we also get the introduction of Mr. Mistopheles during the uh, invitation to the joke about they extended his role because Tom Hooper didn't want him to be ASX Machina at the end. I mean, that actor did okay with 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 Mr. Mistopheles. They yeah. kind of work on what his magic was because it wasn't actually magical. He was he's meant to be a he's meant to be a cat that kind of. Pops in and out, and he hides a spoon, or he, or, or, or. Mr. Mistopheles is not magical. No, well, he's not magical in the sense they made him in the movie, where he actually does magic. No, he's a cat. He's a cat that hides things, and yes. he pulls things out of a hat. Like, oh, he's the resourceful cat. Yes. My cat, Lulu. It could be a Mr. Mistopheles. That is Lulu. Lulu's a Mr. She has thumbs. And she yep. opens uh, the freezer and takes bags of pasta out and drags them to the bed and throws them up on the bed. That is, he doesn't, he doesn't do magic. He can't make things appear out of thin air. Like, do you know what I mean? Lou also tried to kill Maude with the wishbone. I mean, that's pretty magical. <laughs> that's pretty well thought out. <laughs> so smart. Like, dog, ch choke on the wishbone. <laughs> I know who would like this wishbone. I will drag it to a convenient spot and leave it here. And I will wait in my room with my thumbs. Uh, I, 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 I totally forgot about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there you go. That is what Mr. Mistopheles should have been. Um, but yeah, so we get the introduction of Mistopheles, uh, and then we pan over to a kitchen where we meet Rebel Wilson's Jenny Any Dots. But when the day's hustle and bustle is done, then the Gumby Cat's work is but hardly begun. I think that the cockroaches need employment to prevent them from idle and wanted destroyment. So I bought from that lot of disorderly louse. A troop of well-disciplined, helpful Boy Scouts with a purpose in life and a good deed to do. And I've even created a Beatles tattoo. And we get the weirdest interpretation of this number with children's faces on mice and Jenny Adox eating cockroaches with weird computer CGI faces on them and Rebel Wilson just doesn't get the number she said in interviews I still don't know what type of cat I am and I'm like you're yeah. you're a massive tabby cat yeah she is I I I really wanted to reread Gumby Cat last night yes and what she is is the type of cat that you know just lounges all day but then is mis like very uh organized and does things at night like she'll go and do things at night yeah. like there's there's a duality to it mm -hmm. which was never mastered in i and i'm like she she's like the housewife cat 
Yes. Do you know what I mean? Only she's on a different schedule than everybody else. She organizes the mice. She's, you know, puts on the apron and let's go. We're going to clean this house up. Right. And she she forms the Beatles tattoo. And then, yeah, yeah, there are cockroaches and there are mice. Just make them claymation. We don't need children's faces on them. We don't need her to eat the cockroaches. We just need her to be like the Pied Piper in a way. Yes. Like, and I know the Pied Piper has, um, you know, a very dark ending, but, you know, yeah. that's okay. She, th- there has to be a little bit of a con job. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that kind of, like, 1950s housewife sensibility. Like, yeah. 1930s to 1950s housewife sensibility. Yeah, exactly. With the apron, I've baked a cake, I've, I've taught the mice how to sit on the carpet, I've done this, right? And then at, during the day, it's like... You know, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna That's sit and watch Lucy on my yeah. television set now. Well, there's most certainly did not get that in the Rebel Wilson version. No one got that in the like in the, this version. It, um, I think it's oh, very sad that an actor is still, after the fact, unclear of what kind of cat she is. Yeah, that's that's a sign of not good. Um, direction. It's not, a, it's not a clumsy cat. No, she's very smart. She's a very yeah. smart, well resourceful cat. I mean, I mean, she ties sailor's knots, the curtain like rope. Yeah, very smart, very smart. She is the the book of poems. What I love about this book of poems, I think I said this in our last episode, and if I didn't, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna reinstate or state for the first time right now. Yeah is the the poems he really gets cats yeah like he he looks at them and he sees them and he's like what other animal could have three different names it's true do you know what i mean and he sees their 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 cleverness like mm-hmm. cats are incredibly clever yes they are see cats are more intellectual they oh yeah they, they have much deeper but that's what T.S. Eliot gets. He gets like this nine lives. Like, what is going on in your, your brain pan? It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Tom Cooper diminishes that light. So after the number with Rebel Wilson, where we get uh, weird mice and cockroaches, uh, we then get to meet Jason Derulo as the Rum Tum Tugger. If you put me in a house, how would much prefer a flat? And the one thing they kept for this character was the rough from the musical. Yeah, great. Uh, which I'm like, great, that's exactly what you want. Yeah. Uh, it's a very identifiable marker for him. And I mean, he got, I think he got his character better. <laughs> Basically, he's the playboy cat. He is the cat yeah. that sleeps around with all the other female cats and, and they got that part down but his yeah. singing of the song was not great the orchestration oh. you get all the elvisy rock like the like it, they reduce that stuff i mean the, I, I mean i love i love the or, or the orchestration of the original version where it's In this one, it's like yeah, struck down on, on, on a guitar. It's like, no, 
No, it was, it was, I, and you know, I'm going to say it and I've watched many, even Broadway stars do it. Yeah. Can you just hold a note? Can you not go, like, please hold a note. That is the gift of being a musical theater person. It's not adding in this pop thing because you think it's cool. Hold the note. (laughs) Hold it. Yeah. Hold it. That is the skill. We don't need you to go, we don't need Mariah Carey antics in musical theater. No, we don't, we, we don't need riffing. Riffing is not a requirement. And it's great that you can do it. Fine. Yeah. Do it in your bathtub. But you know <laughs> what? If you're going to belt a note, don't add a, on, uh, don't do it. <laughs> and Jason Derulo, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's an, it's for me, it's like, you can't sing it. So yeah. uh, you suck and next. Yeah. I like the milk bar. I don't say. I did not like the milk bar. It was a step too far for me. It is. It like, is. Oh. It is far. But because you're you're taking it in a cinematic, uh, on, on a cinematic pathway, mm-hmm. right? I think that it worked. I thought it was kitschy, but it also promotes like excessive drinking. Yeah. And again, not child friendly, but I thought, okay, that's kind of, that's kind of clever. Like you're putting it in a milk. That's kind of funny. Like that, that was the only moment that I felt was tongue in cheek. Yeah. I mean, I also, I also will comment on the fact that Drew on the red carpet for the film premiere was very open and vocal about the fact they had to reduce his, um, male package to make him more appeasing for the family audience apparently he was very vocal about that which made me laugh really hard because because yeah i don't know why he wanted to tell that to the world i i guess he needed that he's wearing tight pants and he doesn't want to feel emasculated poor poor rich jason derulo The world thinks you don't have a large package. Who cares? (laughs) Like, what the? I I can't. Like, this, it's just a van. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I can't. I can't. can't. This whole movie infuriates me on a level I can't even describe. (laughs) Oh, I also will say something that Tom Hooper repeatedly pointed out in his um, commentary was that he wanted this to be a morality play where each of the cats Victoria meets is supposed to be representing like one of the seven deadly sins. So like uh, Rum Tum Tugger is lust, um, uh, uh, Jenny Any Dots is sloth, and- he's not Rump- sloth. It's, Jenny Any Dots is not sloth. Like he's wrong. He is absolutely- wrong in fact she is the opposite of sloth she is she is conniving about how she organizes her day and at night she's like up and she's at it and she's organized like that is not sloth sloth is lying around and doing nothing no cat does that one i mean cats do that intermittently but (laughs) they also have moments of breaking out and being themselves and they're always yeah. plotting there's nothing sloth about a cat 
<laughs> and what is, what is Mistopheles? And what is, you know? I don't know. I, I think it, I, I, I agree with you. I think it is a flawed concept because there, it doesn't apply to all the cats she meets. But, and why? Why did he want to look at this as the seven deadly sins? Like that, or morality play. It, is, it was a book of poems written for children. Yeah. It, there's, it's not a morality play. It's looking at cats and trying to figure them out. <laughs> there's no morality play in it, Tom Hooper. None. Zero. If you want to look at morality, look at Little Shop. Or look at She's Christ Superstar. Or look at, you know... Uh, any other musical other than Cats. Yes. Cats yeah. is literally a book of poems. Yeah. About cats. It doesn't lend itself to a morality film. Okay, so after Rum Tum Tugger, we get the first introductions of Grizabella, the glamour cat. She flitted about the no man's land From the rising sun To the friends at hand and the postman sighed as he scratched his head. You'd really have thought she'd ought to be dead. And who'd have ever supposed that that was Grizabella, the glamour uh, played by Jay Hud herself. And this is the song where, as you say, Autumn, we get to meet the witchy cats, the Cassandra and Demeter, who are very vicious toward Jay Hud. Like, they are not nice. Like, I, I, mind you, in the original show with Elaine Page, they are cruel to her as well. They scratch her in the face. They, they are very... I know. I know. I know that's there. So that, that those two are also mean to Victoria in the very beginning. Well, of course, she's an outsider to their community. They're being protected. I, so the small I cat girls, right there. They're the mean girls. Of course, they are. Well, a lot of cats are mean girls. <laughs> Just saying. You know, but cats, cats don't have the nicest disposition. You have to really work on them to give. I them know. I. I again, it just didn't drive the narrative. Yeah. Like, even in the musical, you're like, why are you all being nasty to Grizabella? Yeah, they don't explain the history. No, there's no... Well, oh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, there's inferred history where, like, it's implied that, I mean, if you read the poem, that this is meant to be a street, uh, or a prostitute, like, like um, representation where Grizabella was ostracized from the community for her actions and was kind of kicked out by them. But she's ostracized for being a prostitute? That's what T.S. Eliot apparently meant by this poem, and he thought it was too dark for a children's book, so he cut it. Well, therein lies the issue that it is dated. Yeah. Like... Yeah, like, unfortunately... What, is, oh, uh, what are the lyrics to this? Hold on. Like, if you're going to do that in a contempor through a contemporary lens... Which Tom Hooper did, yeah, kind of, in a weird roundabout way. You have to make sense of that. Yeah, sorry. I, like it actually comes across more as an abused person because, like, the first lyrics are 
Remark the cat who hesitates toward you in the light of the door, which opens on her like a grin. You see the border of her coat is torn and stained with sand. And you see the corner of her eye twist like a crooked pin. It's so uh, d torn and covered in what? Covered in sand. It would have been better if it was covered in sin. Yes. Sorry, P.S. Elliot. I'm rewriting your work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And then, and, and then it gets more into the prostitution side where, where it goes like she haunted many a low resort near the grimy road of Tottenham Court. She flitted around about the no man's land from the rising sun to the friend at hand. And the postman sighed as he scratched his head. You really have thought she ought to be dead. And who'd have ever supposed that was Grizabella, the glamour cat? So like very dark lyrics. Yeah. But they definitely don't come across in the film. Well, there's too much. Like, we don't get to know this cat. Yeah. That we're supposed to have sympathy for. Well, it's, we're going, she's the one that is chosen. Yeah. She should be the one that goes throughout the whole thing, not Victoria. <laughs> like, it doesn't, oh, uh, anyway. I do like the Glamour Cat song. I'm not going to try to deconstruct yeah. it as a yeah, as the a song is great the interpretation wasn't great because as we said in our trailer review jay hud is way too young for this part look at um, you can, i guess you can be broken and young i guess you can look at fontaine and fontaine isn't an old character but she's no broken she's broken but, but yeah here, here's the thing about grizabella mm -hmm. she's a glamour cat <laughs> So there has to be some kind of performativity mm -hmm. where she's hiding her, her sin and her pain underneath this pretense of, do you know who she is? Who? She's um, Mama Winfield uh, in Glass Menagerie. Ah, okay. Yeah, I can see that. Mama yeah. Winfield in yeah. Glass Menagerie. That is Grizabella the Glamour Cat. This pageant yeah. queen that has fallen from grace yes. and is trying to keep it together. But mm -hmm. you can't keep it together when you have snot running down your nose <laughs> throughout the whole film. Copious amounts of and snot. And beautifully manicured nails. <laughs> yeah, no nails. There, <laughs> there's, there's so much wrong. And I like Jennifer Hudson. I actually think she's, I, you know what? I like most of these people. I, I blame Tom Cooper. It was bad direction. It was if, very bad direction. You have actors in Cats after the film opens asking, what kind of a cat am I? You have one person to blame. Your and director. that is the director. Yeah. Tom Hooper. Unfortunately so. Unfortunately. I don't even feel like we should say his name anymore. <laughs> what is he now? Like he, the director who shall not be named. <laughs> He's the Voldemort of musical movies. Yeah. Um, I feel about it. I'm not turning back. Do it. 
Okay, so mm-hmm. after Grizabella leaves and they chase her away, um, we get to meet McCavity very briefly. Um, he shows up uh, <coughs> by Idris Elba. They, they, they give him an early introduction um, and he whisks away with his magical powers, Rebel Wilson. Um, yep. Once again, is like, why does McCavity have magical powers? Why is McCavity black? Yeah, that's a big Why are the villain, like, look at, look at. Here we go. If we're looking at his morality play. Yeah. You have your villain. Yes. You have your oversexed cat. Yep. And you have your former prostitute cat, all played by black actors. If that is not, I, I can't, I can't, I can't even. Mm-hmm. And I and I will say, I mean, Idris Elba just does not belong in this movie. It's not his film, no. he's a great actor. And I think he was cast because Hugh Jackman, as we found out yesterday. We don't know if Hugh Jackman was up for that role. I don't know what other role he could have been up for. Because they, they, very early on in their writing process, they changed Deuteronomy to female. Um, like maybe they maybe made a monk a strap. I could see making a monk a strap. Um, he could have been Skimble Shanks. Actually, I could actually. I definitely could see him as a Skimble Shanks. Um, it would have been better. <laughs> we'll get to. Skimble and I can't Shanks. believe I'm saying that. I can. I can definitely see him as a McCavity. He he definitely he definitely would have been more of a McCavity than Idris Elba. Yeah. And what's sad about Idris Elba is that um, they originally. We're gonna make him a ginger cat. Is in the making of documentary I watched. The production art shows that he was supposed to be a ginger, like my hair, bright ginger cat, and they darkened his fur to like more of a brown chestnutty color. And it's like, why? That goes right against the lyrics of of, of who he is. McCavity is a ginger cat, a solid ginger cat, like a Moriarty. Yeah. Um. Uh, a David Tennant. I was about to say David. Of, that is who should have played it. Yeah, David Tennant should have played McCavity. Uh, but yes, after we briefly meet McCavity and he whisks away Rebel Wilson, uh, we then get to James Corbin as Bustopher Jones. <laughs> I'm Buster for Jones. I'm not skin and bones. In fact, I'm remarkably fat. I don't haunt pubs. I have eight or nine clubs. For I'm the St. James's Street cat. Who, for some reason, they have him eating trash in the alley behind these clubs, when in reality, the song is all about the fact that he's the cat that lives in these clubs. And... He haunts eight or nine clubs. Yeah, like he doesn't eat garbage. He eats the good stuff right out of the kitchen. And people are like, I can just see people feeding him. You know, like, here's here's a little lobster for you. And he's like, "Mm, thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. Waddles the next table. Exactly. You know, uh, the the club culture, the gentleman's club culture uh, in, in England is quite huge. Yeah. And they miss, he missed the boat. Like, uh, this, sh- it, sh- it should have been hilarious. I mean, he's poking fun at 
this actually does have subtle undertones. It does yeah. have gluttonous undertones. Like, you yeah. know, look at how the rich get richer. They keep, yes. you know, feeding themselves. There actually is political undertones in this poem. Yeah. And there is. He, he diminishes that by making a meet in the gutters. Like, <laughs> that's not, a, like, that's a desperate act. Yeah. To eat from garbage cans. And yeah. it's just. <sighs> it doesn't work. And then also the fact that he's being catapulted up onto a garbage can and he lands on his crotch. So we get that type of, like, stupid, Look ridiculous, unimportant joke. Like, it just didn't work. James it, it, it Gordon didn't... gets a little tiring. Yes. I um, think the musicals now with Into the Woods and this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to see him before. in another musical. I really don't. I don't no, need to I'm see okay him. He's not that good in musicals. I mean, actually, there is one more I would like to see him in because he was supposed to do a funny thing happened on the way to the forum where he Fine. plays Scooby-Doo on Broadway. Fine. That I can see. Fine. I'm like, okay, I can buy into that one. Yeah, but, but I, like, his Baker was fine. It wasn't great. It was fine. It was no Chips Iron Man. Yeah, no. It's definitely not. Uh, yeah. yeah. No Chips Iron. Yeah. Not who I saw do it. Anyway, that's another Look, story. For yeah, that's um, um but but, yeah this number no, no. and and like he, he could james corden actually could have done this role yes he, absolutely he could have done it you know it could have been a total people you know people feeding him and yeah. him lying back and keep people just keep eating him and he looks at the camera like yeah. it doesn't need to be a big production number it was a disaster. Yeah, they definitely missed, missed the mark on, and, and then, they mark again on him. The the like the he, and then he ends up on the barge. Yes, McCowdy was some away too. Which I mean, plot wise, it makes sense that he's picking off the cats who are in his way for 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 him getting to the Heaviside lair. But what should have happened is he, is, is he should have been like locking them in like the cellar of the. Uh, uh, of the theater where, where, where they're all going to compete. Like have him fall through a trap door, if anything. Just have him locked down there so he's out of the way. I don't, I don't think he would do that though. McCavity? I could see McCavity like. I think, I, I don't know. I don't think he has the power to do that. And that's the thing with McCavity. The McCavity is, he's, a, he's like a, he's like a, he's a cat burglar. He steals things. He's, mm. he's not a hostage taker. Like, I still think the magic work where he's whisking him away magically to a barge, which oh, is what we're getting. My growl tiger. Yeah, hold on a second. We're getting there. We have one number that we still have to get through first, which oh. is the Mongo Jerry and Ramfotiza, which they, instead of going with the version we all know, they decided to go back to Lloyd Webber's original Simington Festival first draft song version. Mungo Jerry and Rumpel Teaser. We're a notorious couple of cats. Let's knock about clowns. Quick change comedians. Tightrope walkers and acrobats. We have an extensive reputation. We make our home in Victoria Grove. This is merely our centre of operation. For we are incurably given to Rome. Which is more of a 
speakeasy poem. And the minute you and I heard that, we were like, what are we listening to? Where's the melody of this song? It wasn't there. I'll tell you where the melody was. It was left on a musical theater stage with people who could sing it. There you go. I mean, I like their set for their song where they're in the house and they're um, knocking over the, the, the vases and sliding down the banisters and- Yeah, they were naughty. It was cute. Really ripping, ripping up the pillows. Like that, I was like, okay. They at least got that right about them. Yeah, like their, their intention was fine. Yeah. But like, just do the bloody song. song. Yeah. Mungo, Cherry, and I love that. Yeah, it's, it's got a bounce to it. Because you, 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 when you listen to the song, you can feel them bouncing around the house being like the twin tears. Mungo, Cherry, and Rumpo, trees are ever wonderful white, are working together. And some of the time you would say it was a rock, and some of the time you would say it was weather. Ripping and destroying. This one was like, Mango, Jerry, and Rumble Teaser. And it was like, no, it didn't have that same. It lended to the darkness of it. There was no playful opposite in the music. Yeah. And it just made it very pedantic. Yeah. Pedestrian. Yeah. Because uh, like the whole point of the song is like, we, in the music, like we're bouncing around with Macav or M M Mango, Jerry, and Rumble Teaser. And and it's like, oh yeah, they're actually like being horrible people. Like they're stealing the roast out of the oven. Uh, like they're doing all types of stuff. And it's just, yeah, the, the song, because they changed the melody, it didn't work. And then the song ends and they leave Victoria behind and Mr. Mistopheles comes to save her from the house dog. And they have this beautiful romantic moment, which I'm like, do we need a romance between Victoria and Mr. Mistopheles? No, the answer is no. <laughs> They're minute characters. Mr. Mistopheles has his own song, which is not even sung by him. It is sung by Rum Tum Tugger. Yeah. Therefore, he is a minor supporting role who yeah. does some nice fuete turns in the original, and that is it. Yeah. And Victoria is also a dancing cat, and period. That is yeah. it. There is mm -hmm. no need for the narrative through line. It doesn't yeah. work. Stupid. No. Yeah. So after that moment, we then uh, smash cut over to the barge where Rebel Wilson and um, uh, Bustopher Jones, James Corbin, have now been held hostage by Idris Elba and the tragically miscast Ray Winston as Growl Tiger. And apparently the only reason why he was in the movie was because Growl Tiger is Tom Hooper's favorite cat. And that's why they kept that. Okay, thing. that is so problematic for so many reasons. Uh, <laughs> Growl Tiger has like rate like overt racist uh, yeah. overtones. Uh, no, they're they're not overtones. They're not undertones. They're uh, he talks about the, the Growl Tiger is kind of a uh, I would I would put him as a National Front member as mm. a cat. He is highly nationalistic. He is, protects the barge. He is, he refers to, read the second stanza there. 
Don't read it out loud because it's slightly imperialist. It's not slightly. It's overtly imperialistic and racist. Yeah. Yeah, I'm reading some of these. You know what I mean? It's a sign of the times, 1939. Yeah, Yeah, there's one lyric in here. But he talks about Uh, the foreign invasion of certain kinds of cats. Yeah. And he's a National Front cat. Yeah, it's not terrible. It's not the fact that that's Tom Hooper's favorite cat is very interesting. Um, yeah. I, do, I, I think Growl, I think Ray Winston actually is a good choice for Growl Tiger. I, I think. He has a rough and tumble look to him. Oh, he's a great actor. And. Ear. Yeah. Well, he has his half ear eaten off. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm glad they didn't pursue that whole song because that would have been very bad. They filmed the whole song. They filmed, they filmed a much longer version of Ray Winston singing and they cut it down for time. Mm, okay. Anyway. There was a longer version of, 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 of Growl Tiger's Last Stand that was apparently filmed according to Tom Hooper that he cut. Yeah. Well, uh, I didn't, I didn't, I don't mind, I didn't mind Growl Tiger. I meant, I did not like the whole, oh, they're gonna walk the plank into the Thames. Yeah, we're getting to that moment. We're getting uh, to But, like, and, I and that too. James Corden and Rebel Wilson, like, they weren't even funny. And I expect yeah. those two to be funny. When yeah, you would together. think the two of them, like, stuck on a barge together, making fun of Ray Winston's Growl Tiger would be funny, but it wasn't. There was no humor in that scene. There was no humor or light in this whole show. So, no. There you go. Mm-hmm. But I do, uh, I, I like, I, I do like that the Thames is present in a musical about London. It needs to be. It has to be. Yeah. Even in like Johnny Depp's Sweeney Todd, he comes right in on the Thames, first scene. We'll talk about that one too. Yeah, we'll get to that. Soon. We'll get to that. But um, like the, the other thing, the, you know, with all the CGI and stuff, what what I think is really special about the stage version of this musical is it's a ima- it's imagination land. Like, well, yeah, they're making steps go along from yeah, tracks. They're, they're but they're in a junkyard. Yeah, and they're like using found objects to create different environments mm-hmm. and. You don't get that in the film. And yeah. the majority of the joy of the show yeah. is, you know, we're in a junkyard. We're going to tell you a story. It's like found objects become, you know, different things. Oh, the oven is this. We can crawl out of an oven. And yeah. You can't do that. In yeah, no. It's you, yeah, it's, it's not. You could in a cartoon version. You could. You could, which is why they should have kept it that way. They should have kept it that way. Because cartoons are imaginative and and playful. Yes. There's nothing playful about this. No. So right after Growl Tiger, we cut back to the rest of the cats in the West End, and we get to meet old Deuteronomy, played by Judy Dench. where I found an interesting fact was when they were writing the script for the film, 
they were looking at doing some gender swapping and it came down to either swapping Monkestrap from being a male cat to a female leader cat or doing Deuteronomy as a female. And they decided on doing Deuteronomy because they realized Judy Dench could do the part. And they thought that would be great uh, for the show. It's because Judy Dench was supposed to be Grizabella. She snapped her Achilles tendon, couldn't do the musical. And so they bring her back to do the film, which I'm like, great idea. Fine, it's fine. It's fine. It's a and cat. She, he can she, do it. And she was okay as Deuteronomy. I felt the mothering, old, like, grandmotherly, all, all seeing power of her. I didn't like that she was wearing a giant fur coat after being like a Persian a big cat. Persian cat. She already was that with her under fur, but it was just like no, but there's layers of fur, right? Cats have layers of fur. I know, but it's like, why is why are some of them wearing fur coats? Some of them aren't wearing any coats at all. Some of them are wearing vests. Some of them are wearing high heel shoes. Why are they in shoes? Like dramaturgically, it's all over the place. There's no DDD. There is not. There is not. Um, yeah. So then we get that number, and then we get right into the Jellicle Ball, which <coughs> had Autumn petrified because the way they were treating Grizabella once again, chasing her out of the theater while having a cat sex orgy on the screen. Because as Tom Hooper described it, it goes from a courting dance to a competition dance. And it's like, ugh. None of those things. Yeah. It is a celebration dance. It is like a grand ball dance. Yeah. Welcome to the Jellicle Ball. Yeah. It is not catty. Thank you. <laughs> it is a celebration. It is at the annual event. Yeah. There's no chasing. There's no, no courting. There's no. no, there's no sex in this <laughs> musical. <laughs> No sex. Zero I mean, sex. Uh, yeah. <coughs> Rum tum tugger. Fine. Yeah. But <coughs> there's no orgy. There's no catnip stardust. We there's no, that we haven't, but we will. Yeah. There's none of that. You, you, there's no less twins and running shoes. There's no hip hop. One less no twin. Pop. Cats do not pop and lock. They don't do it. But that was your son's favorite part. He is wrong. He, Reed, no. is wrong. He's eight. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He's like, oh, that's cool. I see that on Go Noodle at school. On what? On Go Noodle. What's that? Go Noodle is like this dance video that they do every morning at school. It's great because it gets right. the kids dancing to music. It's fun. Love it. But it's not cats. <laughs> no, it's not. Jaded. Um, He's jaded already at eight. Yeah. <laughs> uh. yeah. So after the Jellicle Ball, Victoria follows Grizabella outside where we get her under a street lamp. Uh, singing the memory prelude. Right. Not a song from the pavement as the moon lost her memory. She is smiling alone in the land. 
And yeah, once again, we get the very much Anne Hathaway close up snot shot of J HUD. My nails. Yeah, with those beautiful nails, as you pointed out. Perfectly manicured. Yeah. Perfectly manicured. Yeah. Yeah. And then right after that, we get into. She has a patty coat. Yeah. And it looks like she just came out of the salon. <laughs> There's no DD in this. There's no, no DD. No, there's no, yeah. Clearly there was no DD for this. Um, and then right after this, you get your favorite song, the new ones composed by Taylor Swift and Andrew Lloyd Webber called Beautiful Ghost that took Tom Hooper 14 takes with Francesca Hayward to get because she couldn't, she was not a singer. All that I wanted was to be wanted too young to wander London streets alone and haunted born into nothing at least you have something something to cling to visions of dazzling rooms I'll never get let into and the memories were lost long ago but at least you have beautiful ghosts but she couldn't sing well okay. yes, she, said okay. she, was this um, she still can't sing isn't that funny she's a great ballet dancer she Not a is a beautiful ballet dancer they should have had her dance a few little steps and goodbye yeah. You are not an actor. You are not a singer. You do not deserve a song. Taylor Swift is not a musical theater uh, composer. Uh, you do some fun, catchy pop tunes. Great. You need to calm down. It's amazing. I love it. We sing it in the car. Uh, fantastic. But you are not a musical theater composer. Bye-bye. Goodbye. You don't belong in this film. You don't belong writing this film. Uh, Francesca Hayward should not be singing ever, ever. Actually, most of these people should not be singing ever. That was something I took from the commentary was that a lot of these people were dancers, not singers. And it should. Yes. You know what? I've, you know what? I've, I've made a decision. I am going to go star in Swan Lake at the National Ballet next year. You can do it. Sure, of course We're I can. You know youth. what? Anyone can do it. And anyone can do what they do, right? Yeah. And herein lies my point. Why is it that what we do can be bastardized by people who do not do it mm -hmm. and it's okay? Yeah. Why is, it, why is it okay? And why are people still watching this film? In a, <laughs> why are we disrespecting our art form in this way? It's a good question. You know what? What we do is a craft. And you know what has ruined it? Film. Film and television. And I'm sorry, there are some great films out there. There's some great television. But most of that is done by stage actors. We, we are ruining the art form. It, this is a craft. It is, 
it is a craft and I'm, I, I would not even um, embarrass myself by saying I could go in and do brain surgery. Mm -hmm. So why do people think that they can come in and do our work? It's a good, it's a bigger question and it's a very good one. Thank you. Well said. It's a very big, and it makes me very angry. Yes. As you can tell. I can tell. Because um, I, it's like Francesca is, she is a beautiful dancer and this is a dance musical. So just have her dance. Yeah. But please don't, please don't humiliate us by making her sing. Yeah. Apparently the only reason why they added a song was because after Lord Lever read the script, he felt that because you're creating this highlighted character of Victoria, that she should have a song when it wasn't necessary. Who wrote the script? Oh, I can tell you actually script was by lee hall and tom hooper lee hall also wrote the <coughs> script uh for rocket man starring taron edgerton and what else has he done he he he, he wrote the play network in 2017 he did shakespeare in love the play version in 2014 right uh, so accomplished why are you messing with this I don't Who's know. Like oh, him? also did Billy Elliot. He wrote the screenplay for Billy Elliot. What? Pride and Prejudice, Wind in the Willows, War Horse, uh, Victoria and Abdul. He also wrote the, the script for the musical version of Billy Elliot. He wrote so, an opera. Okay. Lee Hall, very talented playwright. Why are you subjecting yourself to this? This is a bigger question. What makes artists do this? What, why? Why do they subject themselves to this? Film? I mean, I understand. Look at, I understand if you want to do a small, uh, if you want to do a test version of this, mm -hmm. this is millions, of millions of dollars. This was a vanity project, as we said. Very clearly, this was a vanity project for Lloyd Webber and for- But art is not about vanity. That is not what it is about. It and shouldn't be about like, vanity. Unfortunately, sometimes it becomes vanity. But if you want to do a vanity project, fine. Just do it. But don't spend, like, I think of people starving in the world. I think of cats who don't have homes. If you want to put it to that level. Yeah. And you're spending millions of dollars on something that you don't even know if it's going to work. Yeah. Well, clearly it didn't. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. From the first trailer, it didn't work. Nothing People worked. People right away were like, no, this is not working, Tom Hooper. And they didn't, and they, and they didn't have the foresight to... I was hopeful, it. but... No. Yeah. No. So after beautiful ghosts and beautiful moments, we then get to the moment that they almost cut from the movie... Um, which was the moments of happiness, which I think is actually a decent moment with Judy Dench doing her toxing thing. Experience of one life only, but of many generations. Not forgetting something that is probably quite ineffable talking about watching the different generations of people as uh, she's watching yeah, and, Bella and, and Francesca Hayward and these three women of different ages all having their moment and I was like no that moment worked yeah and Judy Dench could read the phone book and it could work 
It could. It could. Because yeah. she knows how to, uh, although we'll get to the end. And we will. We will. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, but right okay. after this mo- yeah. song, we get into the best part of the whole damn movie, which is Ian McKellen's Gus the yeah. Theater Cat. And I said, uh, these kittens, they do not get trained as we did in the days when Victoria ran. They do not get drilled in the regular troop and they think it's the smartest to jump to the hoop. And I say as I scratch myself with my claws, well, the theatre is certainly not what it was. Where he knew what movie he was in because he meowed, he hissed, he licked from a Yep, he was like totally. He was in it. In, he was in it to win it. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he knew what he was doing. He did his DTD. Yeah, he did. He really did, and yeah. he was smart about it. And there was He's the only one. Oh yeah, and his character, like it was great. And um, normally, and I like Gus the Theater Cat. I find that a boring song, but you know why? It worked in this movie. Because he's a stage actor. Yes, he actually knows how. Yeah. Apparently him and Judy Dench did some DD and they uh, decided that their characters had a love affair when they were younger. In oh, their younger days. Whatever. Which I'm like, oh, okay. Which I guess is why she's giving him seductive looks from her cat basket. Sure, sure. Whatever you want to do. You know what? I kind of got the look and I was like, oh, that's cute. They know yeah. each other intimately because they, they're old yeah. cats. That's yeah. what I thought. I'm like, oh, they're old cats. They've been around the block. She, yeah. He's going to win this time. It's nice. He still had some more to give. And he tries. And there was an urgency to it. Yeah. And he was trying really hard. Oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah. He's yeah. the only one I bought that had stakes of going to the heavy side lair. Yeah. The only one. Not Jennifer Hudson. Nobody else had stakes. Uh, and really wanted to get there. He should have been the winner. Yeah, he should winner have. Agnon. He should have been the winner. He's he's fantastic. And Ian McKellen, you are our winner. You he can have our side layer. He should have been Oscar nominated for this force because he was that good. He stood up that much that he was that good. Yeah, he was that. Yeah, he he. Unfortunately, he could not save this film. No, he couldn't. But what they should do is they should just do a short of him doing Gus the Theater Cat yes. and build a whole world around him doing it. Yes. And that would be a great short film, and maybe he would win the Oscar for that. Because I, I would watch that. I would, too. I would definitely watch him re- reprise his role as Gus the Theater. And I think there's the line um, that, he, that he says, which is, I think Ian McKellen talking, not Gus. So he says, I've played in my time every possible part, and I used to know seven speeches by heart i've extemporized back chat i know how to gag and i knew how to let the cat out of the bag and then he talks about how theater is just not what it was and it's like yeah no there I is think he was thinking that when he was stuck in this movie of course he was there is an irony there is a very massive irony which tom hooper obviously did not get but ian mckellen certainly did yeah like he talks about how like these kittens, they do not get trained as we did when Victoria reigned. They'll never get drilled in in, in a regular troop, and they think they are smart. J- 
just to jump through a hoop. Taylor Swift. Like, oh, yeah. and then she rides down on a hoop. How she else? Does. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it's, it's the so best. When, he, when he was doing that and he looked yeah. at Judy Dench, there was, a, there was an acknowledgement. There was, there was a what? Like a, what the, f are we doing in this film, yeah, man? Exactly. What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. So right after this number, we get into your favorite cat, at least in the stage show, which is Skimble Shanks, the railway cat. There's a whisper down the line at 11.39 when the night mail's ready to depart. Saying Skimble, where is Skimble? Has he gone to hunt the thimble? He must find him or the train can't start. Where for some reason in this number, they decide to break away from what they've already been doing and they go outside the theater again, but do it in a magical way where they are walking on a beam that then becomes the railway that then transitions them into being on a train when no other number of that musical has done that yet on screen. Where everyone has an orgy in the two beds <laughs> and everyone's going, what happened to this song? The tap dancing was good. I'll give it that. The tap dancing was very good. Fine, but again, they added like a, a, a like a techno beat into it. Yeah. And I'm Which like, is this is a choo-choo. This is a choo-choo train. Yeah. And as Tom Hooper said, this guy who played Scumble Shanks, he was another gentleman from the Royal Ballet. So I'm like, once again, there's a reason why when we left, you said his whole song sounded flat. It's because... He, he's not a singer. I like them tapping across the thing, but it was too nice. Like, I'm like, it was nice. <laughs> and then at the very end, <laughs> I think you almost uttered a what the, ble the bleep when he starts doing a pirouette and gets whisked into the air by McCavity and disappears. Because <laughs> you were like, what just happened? <laughs> there was so much like flying and stuff, like, yeah. but fake flying? Yeah. Rebel Wilson had a moment where she flew and it was like, this is like yeah. bad. Mr. Mistopheles had it too, which bad we're going to get to. We're, we're going to get to that. But first, we have the number, the T Swift number, the McCavity. <laughs> where she comes down on the moon. Look at she's she's a, she, she does those sexy vixen cat fine. And she was the first person cast because Tom she. Hooper had her audition for Les Mis and she was almost cast as Eponine until he went, nobody would leave Cosette for Taylor Swift. So he, so he didn't, so she didn't get the part. Uh, but when he did Cats, he approached her first and offered her the part. And it was during their creative meeting where her dad suggested that Tom Hooper look at videos of Cats on Catnip as some inspiration. And that's how Tom Hooper had the idea of adding in the catnip element to McCavy that knocks all the cats out. So basically yeah. the number, um, it's very faithful to the show where it's still that brassy, jazzy uh, McCavity. Um, however, they've decided to incorporate McCavity into the song. 
with Idris Elba singing without his coat on, so he looks naked. And it's just creepy and weird. And um, for some reason, they, ha they ha have a fake staircase they're going up. Um, and it just gets, it, it's just, it just goes too big. The whole idea of Macavities is this dark, creepy number in the original show. And now they have it like a giant, like Follies, Buzzley Berkeley stage number with, with light up stairs that look like they're going to a Monty Python cartoon set. So There's no DD in this. There was no... Idris Elba looks so uncomfortable. There was no chemistry between him I've and Taylor I've never Smith. seen anyone look more uncomfortable in anything. Except us in the theater. <laughs> no, I was just laughing. I was, I was thoroughly amused at his discomfort. <laughs> I'm like, how did you go from Stringer Bell to this moment? Taylor Swift's dad, everyone, very knowledgeable in the theater because he's a stockbroker. So why is he offering dramaturgic uh, advice? Why is, why is he, like once again, it's why is this person who has no business in our craft giving dramaturgical advice? Because everyone thinks that art is easy, Apparently. and they have uh, they have the answers. So wrong. So wrong. So then this number ends, they whisk Deuteronomy away to the barge where they're, where, where, where now we get into the barge stuff. And apparently Tom Hooper says a lot of this dialogue was improv. Well, you're not improv artists, so move on. <laughs> um, and so then we get this weird moment where McCavity is forcing Judy Dench to walk the plank unless she grants him access to the heavy side layer. But then we cut back to the next song, which is Mr. Mistopheles, which is not sung by Rum Tum Tucker. It is sung by Mr. Mistopheles himself. And we all say, Oh, well, I never was there ever. A cat so clever as magical Mr. Mistopheles. And somehow, it takes Judy Dench almost three minutes to walk a plank that's like a big. <laughs> well, she's an old cat. Apparently. There you go. Apparently. And they keep cutting back to her basket. They keep making it, making it seem like he's going to conjure her. And then Which I get that is right out of the stage show where Mistopheles does somehow magically conjure Deuteronomy back from wherever. But it's like, ugh, can we not have changed this Something somehow? Or it's just convenient. It's, it it is. doesn't conjure her back. Yeah. It's just convenient. She arrived yeah. back. She found a way out. Yeah. <laughs> She's a cat. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, that number happens. And somehow Mr. Travis can now fly because um, he has magical trombones and playing cards. Like the, the, the scale of this song is all over the place because somehow we have rings that fit around cat's necks in, in a Mungo Jerry and Rumpel teaser. And then the next one, we have a pencil that is now a magic wand and uh, playing cards that are cat sized. It's like, where in the world was the scale work on this? No like TV. this is all over the place. It's very weird. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You are. Um, yeah. And then after this number, Deuteronomy's brought back and we get the big or supposedly big number of the show oh, memory like a flower, the dawn gives 
which, uh, yeah, once again, lots of snot. Uh, clearly, Tom Hooper's trying to recreate the Anne Hathaway moment that just wasn't recreatable because Anne Hathaway uh, did the like did it all in her song. So there's no reason to recreate that. But that's, that's all he knows what to do. Yeah, in a musical like there's. <sighs> yeah, and I love Jennifer Hudson. I think she's a beautiful singer. She's going to be great as Aretha Franklin in that biopic movie. Yes, amazing. Yeah. This, I don't, I don't know. There's, I don't know. It didn't work. It didn't no. work. And no. then to butcher it further, right no. after the song is done, which is where I lost it when you and I were in the theater together, was no. the reprise of Beautiful Ghosts. All that you wanted was to be wanted Never to wander London streets alone and haunted. All your memories of pain, let them go. And you'll dance with these beautiful girls. Where Francesca here, once again, who cannot sing, after following Jayhud, who can sing, sings her reprise of her song. And I was crying with laughter at this point. I couldn't retain myself anymore. Mackenzie was crying, <laughs> laughing. Yeah. He, you were doing like a, you, it was loud. I cannot believe we didn't get kicked out. Sarah was like <laughs> starting to hide in her seat. started laughing. Then I, we just couldn't stop laughing. And it yeah. lasted pretty much the rest of the film. Like yeah. I couldn't. It was that infectious laughter when you shouldn't be laughing, but you're laughing. Yeah. Because you've the just poor old couple in front of us who was so horrible. Yeah. Like, it was like the sledgehammer at the end of the song that was, it was like... It was a, a moment of release. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful Ghost Happens. It's off. It's, it's, it does not need a reprise at okay. all. Again, the craft. There's no craft. Yeah, and then we get the journey to the heavy side lair, which, oh. which is where we get the hot air balloon. Phantom. Yeah, exactly, because we get a rising chandelier again. Lloyd Webber, I don't know what your fetish is about chandeliers. Well, I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, but yeah, then we get the hot air balloon, which I actually didn't mind because it comes it's right out of the Chris Elliott poem, where they talk about up, up, up past the Russell Hotel up, up, up to the heavy side layer in a hot air balloon. I was like, okay, at least that is being yeah. honest to T.S. Eliot. It's all that. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, for some reason, we get McCowdy coming back one more time to try and climb up the rope. Oh, I'm gonna like, get it! Yeah, like, oh. get stuck on top of a statue, and it's like, honestly, no. Not necessary. <sighs> His, his plot is done. The, the person's been chosen. It's over. He's stuck on his barge. Well, it's um, because they gave him so much credit throughout the whole play. Film. It's not a play. It's definitely a film. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's not... Yeah, no. Yeah, um, it wasn't necessary. It, it wasn't necessary add-on. Uh, like, just imagine that happening in the original stage show where all of a sudden the cavity comes leaping out and tries to climb the stairs on, on the tire at the end. Doesn't work. 
It just doesn't work. It wasn't necessary. He lands on, what does he land on the, the statue of Nelson? Is that what he lands on in the middle of? Something like that. It's somewhere. They're all they're Oh yeah. It's Nelson. Uh, Horatio Nelson. Um, uh, and the, the, the cat, the other cats are on the, the lion, the protective lion. Yes. yes, That's the final number of the, of the show, which is the, which is what they should have cut. They should have just ended with Jihad floating off into space on a hot air balloon. They didn't, they didn't need final addressing of cats. That wasn't necessary. You've heard of several kinds of cats, and my opinion now is that you should need no interpreter to understand our character. You've learned enough to take the view that cats are very much like you. You've seen us both at work and games and learnt about our proper names, our habits and our habitat. But how would you address? If you're gonna do the addressing of cats, you need to do something interesting with it. You can't think say, make it stagnant. Yeah. You should be walking the streets and watching cats in their element and you know, narrating mm-hmm. your experience of watching them as Deuteronomy. Yeah. You shouldn't be like, oh, now we are going to do this pontification. And break the fourth wall, which hasn't been done in the entire film. But then they break it at the end, and Judy Dench in cat form stares directly into your soul, and it's the creepiest thing in the world. And it's not again, once, but twenty times. She doesn't stop. It's a it's a one cut direct stare down the camera lens, and it's I know, but awful. there's like a pause, and you're like, oh, it's done. Oh no, it's not. Here comes nope. Danza two. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's done. Not- Oh, no, like, and it just is like, oh, gong, gong. And I love me some Judy Dench. I love the woman. I love her. But this, and there's so much wrong with the cinematography in this and the, 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 like, other than Judy Dench. Where are the pigeons in Trafalgar Square? Where are they? It is known for its pigeons. I would have liked to have seen the size of them. <laughs> Falger Square, even in the middle of the night, is not quiet. No. There are people moving because um, the, the, the tube and uh, the train station are there. Mm-hmm. There's, there's always something. There was nothing. It was like ghost town. Well, maybe and, well, maybe 1939 London. It was ghost town. Who knows? No, no, because there was a war happening. <laughs> it's also like where Canada House is. It's very close to Buckingham, like not Buckingham Palace, but like um, uh, yeah. uh, uh embassy, like, like the West, embassy. what um, uh, Whitehall, Whitehall, Whitehall. Mm. Whitehall. It's close to you know. Yeah. It's it's the lead up to Downing Street. It's the, you know, and uh, no, it just didn't work. Quiet. No. Never it's not no. They're never deserted. No. And if there are not people, there are pigeons. So like 
It just looked like a sci-fi <laughs> version of London. Yeah. It, yeah, it was apocalyptic. Yeah. It was weird, and this movie ended on a dud note. It was not great. It, a dud ending for a dud movie. Yeah. I would not recommend you watch it. Go back and watch the 90s version with Elaine Page uh, and Kendra. I'm so done talking about this musical. I don't know if I ever want to watch it again. Just wait, Autumn. Lloyd Webber is going to release this, the stage version again for his Friday movie. So we'll have to watch it and do a, re- and do a, do a review. Do we? Yes, we do. We've done the trailer. We've done the movie. We've done the musical. What else do we need to do? I don't know. I think we've exhausted cats. <laughs> Right to talk about something else. <laughs> this movie killed it for me. It really did. It made me lose faith in Lloyd Webber. It made me just realize that he's a commercial capitalist. Surprise! <laughs> why would you? I just don't understand why you would take your art and bastardize it, crucify it. Not even bastard it, but crucify it. He let Tom Hooper, he gave him free range to crucify. T.S. Eliot has died nine times over like a cat in his grave. Yeah. Because of this. Jillian Lynn too. Jillian Lynn. Jillian Lynn is like, what? What did you do to my choreography? And yeah. Trevor Nunn. I would love to hear what Trevor Nunn has to say. I'm sure he hasn't seen it. I don't think he I would love to hear what he has to say. Well, you know what? Maybe you can write him a letter. Be like, I want your. I am going to write him a letter. Dear Mr. Nunn, (laughs) please watch this musical and let me know what you think. Yeah, we need to know. Don't sugarcoat it. Be honest. Yeah. There you go. That's your project for the day. But that's it for us. We are done with this movie. We're done with this review. Thank God. Yeah. I mean, we got some the great... second time we've done it. Painful. Yeah. I mean, next. I mean, this Christmas we have West Side Story coming, directed by Spielberg. That looks good. So I'm excited for us to go and see that one together. <laughs> um, it seems appropriate. In the Heights is coming. In the Heights is coming. That's another good one. Those are the also, two. Also, like, appropriate. Appropriately yeah. cast. And like Lin-Manuel, and like um, what's his name, um, Hamilton himself, um, Lin-Manuel Miranda has done a lot of work on, 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 on in the Heights. He's been working. Out, he's he's directing Tick Tick Boom, another film adaptation of that for Netflix. There's nice. a, which I'm like, those all sound like they could work. I'm I'm excited for those. So See, we I like I I think Lin-Manuel Miranda. He's a person cont- to contemporize musical theater. Like he's, whether I like it or not, is not the point. He is. Doesn't matter. He is pushing forward. But he I'm is, he is creating uh, a world in which musical theater is now uh, successfully contemporized. Mm-hmm. And that is how you do it. You, yeah. you you don't, it's, you don't take something and redo it. Like, you uh, just don't do that. And that's the message we should take away from this, is don't 
update things that don't need to be updated, uh, leave what's good alone, um, and respect the craft, everybody. Respect your art and, and respect the craft. Don't let people who think they know what they're doing come in and do what you do well. Just dear, dear people of the world, um, what we do is, uh, in our profession uh, takes work. It's not something you can just come in and do. I know yeah. a lot of people think that they can, but you can't. I yep. don't deign to take over accountancy or brain surgery or rocket science. Yep. Um, this uh, takes as much work as any of those and a lot yep. more uh, personal investment actually because you mm -hmm. need to excavate the bowels of your emotional core every mm -hmm. time you go on stage. Yep. Um, and, uh, so, you know, if, if you are a music, if you are like a pop singer, don't do it. Yep. Stick with pop singing. Yep. Uh, if you're a film actor, stick with that. Fine. Yep. You have a cute look or you have a look, you have a hit. Fine. Yep. Um, but don't do our profession. Period. Don't. Yep. Please, please don't think that you can just walk in and do it. Yeah. Don't do ah. it. Don't uh, do it. Well, yeah. And yeah. directors, uh, movie, musical directors, um, hire people that this is their career, please. Yeah. We don't need to hire George Clooney and, uh, you know, Richard Gears. And uh, it's it it fine. But we don't need to hire Russell Crowe's and Idris Elba's and Taylor Swift's yeah. um, to populate our musical theater movies yeah hire the actors who can do it yeah or make it an animated film yep and use musical theater performers it would have sold it cats would have been wildly successful as a disney animated or a pixar yep. animated it would yep. have been brilliant yeah and you wouldn't have needed the the through line Kids would have bought it. They love short stories. Kids love short stories because mm -hmm. they can use their imagination. Don't take the joy out of things. Please stop doing it. Yeah. Preach. And on that note, hey. um, where can they reach you? <laughs> I don't know if I want anyone reaching me after this. They'll probably hate me. No, they won't. Uh, but you can reach me at... Autumn DM Smith <laughs> on most platforms or Autumn Smith. Yeah. There's a lot of Autumn Smiths, surprisingly. Um, I'm the I'm Autumn Smith, like put Ontario or Toronto, that's fine. Yeah. Or Littlewood Smith is my business name, Instagram, Facebook. I have a website. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And you can reach me at Mackenzie Horner on all social media platforms. Uh, just look for the guy with the ginger hair in the picture. That's me. Uh, and other than that, uh, follow us on all our social media platforms, including uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Before the Down Beat. Argue uh, with us if you want. Yeah. yeah. We love that. We love a good conversation debate. If you disagree and you want to challenge our opinions on this, by all means, yeah. please do. Um, you could even do like an Insta story challenging us and tag us. Do it. Do it. I, 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 I say do it. And stay tuned for season two. We have a great season opener for yeah. you. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And that'll be coming out in May. Thank you for waiting for this so patiently after our Christmas promise. 
it's been a few months since, but we've recovered from watching this movie and we were able to talk about it. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll Thank see you. you. Bye. Bye.